Hello, welcome back to the Sour Matt Antics podcast. He's Matt, I'm Sam. He is rejoicing, and so am I. And that's just the way it is. Matt, I'm Dyer, rejoicing. He has left the building. Prime Minister Boris Johnson oh. has handed in his resignation. Okay, uh, we can. I've oh, this just in where we can cross live to Downing Street, where Boris is about to make a statement. Oh, go on. Oh, I, 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 I am not sorry, but I, I, I am sorry, but um, I, I, I am not sorry, but I. Uh... Do you know the thing about the the thing earlier? Is he he didn't actually apologise? Well, he, he didn't. He just basically say, uh, I, uh, I, I, I don't want to leave. I, I have to leave, but I, I don't want to go. But I've, I've got to go. This is the problem with politicians: is it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. But yeah. let's not get bogged down with who's running the country and who's not. Boris Johnson. No one is. No one is. No one is. Uh, we are on episode forty-three. Forty-three. We the are big five-zero is approaching. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting times. Exciting times of the Sam Antics podcast. It is. It is indeed. But enough about that. So, Cora, how the devil mm. have you been this week? Oh, I've been fighting rainbows this week, my guy. It's been. A, it's been <laughs> a. Uh, it's been a. It's been a good week. It's, uh, Good. it's quite chilled. Enjoyed it. Um, although I did not die. Oh no! Why have you got told off? I, I got told off by friend of the podcast, uh, my little sister, for giving her a birthday oh. shout out, and I just said it's one of our listeners' birthdays. Uh, so yes, she she told me off. Um, well, this is terrible news, Agro. Is is what she's going to do over? But uh, like the the bed. Has been has been lately. She was not best pleased. Ah, uh, no. Well, we didn't give her a birthday shout out, so well, but I did write a poem. I'm sorry, you did what? I did write a poem for her birthday. Eve. I don't know how to feel about this. Okay, um, uh, read the poem out, please. Okay. Have you got its hand? Have you got its hand? I can find it. Bear with. I can't believe you wrote a poem. Like, what the fuck? Is this because okay. you're um, mutual friends on, uh, on Instagram? We are mutual friends on Instagram. So yes. hmm. You followed who there? Like, what, what, what was that? What was the situation there? Or don't, well, I don't I think, know. I think if, well, I think I recall I sent her a request um, because hmm. of, do you remember the time uh, she was with you? And I, I won't say what, but I'll just say uh, fist. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember that time. I try not to remember that time, but I do. Yes. Yeah. Don't rub your yes. fist in this situation. Um, read, read the poem. Go no. on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> shall I read the poem out, Sagora? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry for what we're about to listen to in advance. I don't know what this is. I've not listened to this before. So um didn't even know you fucking wrote it, but go on. Happy birthday, Crazy Sam's sister. It's a shame your lesbianism. Otherwise, we could have found you a mister. <laughs> As I write this, I've lost my voice. Don't worry, though. My voice will return. Nice. <laughs> so, so have a good day and enjoy food's crunch. What's your favourite crisp? Mine's Monster Munch. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. And that was the um, the 
birthday poem entitled Happy Birthday Crazy Sam's Sister. Those of you that don't know, Monster Munch is... Um... No, no, no. Okay, all I'll say is look it up. Google no. Monster No, people do not do that. Absolutely do not go on Urban Dictionary and type in Monster Munch. It's not allowed. Yes. Yes. Anyway, yes. <laughs> thanks for that um, beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, how have you been this week? Well, so cool. I have celebrated... 10 years this week at the Polar Pals HQ. 10 years of Polar Pals HQ. Ten, 10 years. How the fuck are they put up with you? 10 happy years. Mm-mm. 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's 10 years, three breakdowns, uh, three depart- different department jobs, i.e. customer service, warehouse, and operations analyst. Yep. Yep. Um, and I'm still doing the same job now <laughs> that I was doing nine years ago. So, come well then. <laughs> I am the expert of providing temperature data, Sagora. There is no one else like me. You're the expert of Polar Pals HQ. I, I just am. I just am. Yeah. Uh, I know a few people from the Polar Pals HQ listen. So, um, big up everyone. Why did you not congratulate me on my ten years? You know, not not angry, just disappointed. Um, I mean that. Yeah, I'd grab Matt next. Literally, grab him next. Touch Matt next week. And no, say, <laughs> I am so sorry that I missed your ten-year anniversary. Congratulations! For those of you who don't know, Matt doesn't like being touched, so make sure you do touch him. No, appropriately though, because you're in a workplace. Of course, don't be, don't uh, be naughty. And do you know what I got, Sir Grubber? Did you get, a a ten- Did you get one of those I plaques? Oh, I can't wait to get one of those at mine. Like, get we get no. like, a little plaque thing. Oh. Okay. I didn't get a plaque because right. the payroll system has changed. Payroll? What's that got to do with service? Don't ask. Don't ask. Oh, okay. Okay. They are now no longer doing the long service award plaques. The cutoff. Ooh. The cutoff was the first of July. If you had ten years before the first of July, you would have got one. Okay. This is what I was told. When was your um, anniversary? Second of July. <laughs> Fuck off! They could no. extend it one day for you. No, so I didn't get a plaque. I got a pin badge, which I've already lost, and I got a cake. What and the cake? Ca- and a card. Did the cake like have congratulations on ten years or anything, or was it like a cupcake? No, it was a Waitrose cake. Bad no expense, no less. Mm, mm. So, moral of, the, is... moral of the story here. Mm. Big up the Polar Pals HQ. Thank you for ten happy. Thank you for ten years. <laughs> um, I will not be staying another ten years. Thank you very much. Good night. And also, a petition for Matt to get a plaque for his ten year anniversary. Starts well, appara- apparently, I get a gift instead. Um, but I haven't been given the details for that yet. So was by that the time, the cake? no. By the time I get the actual gift, it's probably going to be closer to fifteen years. But there we go. Anyway, so Cora, let's way. not get bogged down with who's done ten years and who hasn't. Okay, sound like prison prison sentence, but fair enough. Well, you said it just then. Yes, I know. Um, let's crack on with this week's podcast.
now I'm going to pass over to the angriest person I know. Matt Dyer, please take it away. Well, everyone, we're back. And I've got two Angry Man reviews this week. So one of them Mind is it. one of them is not really great. Uh, but one of them really grinds my gears, Segura. If you'll um, pardon the pun. If you'll pardon the pun. So let's start with the, the, the not so good one. Okay. Uh, it's paper cuts. Oh, yeah. Paper cuts, Segura. Well, paper cups are also annoying, <laughs> but that's another story. Paper cuts, Segura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are just horrific. I think they are the worst minorist injury you can get. Mm. They're just horrific. Yeah. I think it depends on like the location of it. Like, I'm if... thinking right on the index of your finger. Like if you was doing like a a police fingerprint scan. Yeah, or like just underneath your nail. Oh, God. it's oh. making me wince just thinking about it. Or like on your dick, because a bit of dough, like it. I could imagine. What are you? Sorry, sorry. We're not going forward here, Segura. What the hell would you be putting on down there to get a paper cut? Paper. Doing what with paper? I don't know. There are some freaks out there, Madaya. Yeah, I'm starting to think you're one of them. Anyway, well, this, this time round, crackle, crackle. So paper cuts. Yes, I, I honestly, I think it's location because you get like a paper cut on like the back of your hand where like you don't really the skin doesn't really move that much and it's not too bad. Hmm. But like the fingernail or like um, anything to do with fingers anywhere on your finger, it hurts. You have to use your finger. You put your hand in like water, like to wash your dishes and stuff, or like to wash your hands and stuff and it just, it just burns it's awful no you're absolutely oh, yeah but some paper cuts like go quite deep don't they i honestly this is just making me feel so sick thinking about it um <laughs> <laughs> i'm not good with this kind of thing yeah i would not be a good doctor or surgeon <laughs> just saying um yeah paper cuts are just horrific they are they are literally the worst and like your hands and fingers are so brilliant for doing various things brilliant. no no Segura, we're not going there no, I wasn't thinking nothing no i know what you were thinking um yeah. but at no, the same like, time they're so fragile yeah 100 percent. but like um i actually once got a paper cut on my tongue was you licking an envelope yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh I'd... <laughs> Sorry, oh, that just makes me feel That's sorry. worse. Because, like, think about, like, you've got your natural, like, saliva and stuff with bacteria in it, but then you think about, like, you have to eat food, and it's just, it's so painful. It's awful. It's awful. Drink so a drink. So no. we're, we're going to we're gonna have to ring off this one. Um, yeah, we're going to have to move on. I, I can't. I cannot go on. Go on. Crack on. Me feel, feel really bad. Uh, so, go up. The next one. Hmm. When you go to a festival or live music event and everyone has their phone out recording, live the moment for fuck's sake. What I oh I do I please agree with me. Are you not agreeing with me? See, I struggle with this because Are you an arsehole? Whoa, 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 hold on, let me finish. I agree with you. You have to live the moment. Um but 
also it does get to a point where because it, it, it genuinely does get to a point where you, you you try and watch the stage and you end up watching the stage through someone's phone because they're holding it right in front of your face um but i what i do when i go to gigs is because i'm quite tall if i want to film a specific like part of the gig so like when i went to the killers i wanted to get like smile like you mean it or mr Brightside, for example i would get my phone out and hold it underneath my eye level so I can still watch it through my own eyes and not through my screen. But there are people that literally get the phone, watch it through the screen while they're recording, and you're not experiencing the full gig, really. Like, you're there around people. But obviously, there are times where you have to get your phone out when, like, um, the state, the, 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 everything goes dark and they want you to move your phone. Like, that's when it's okay to bring your phone out and, like, have it disturbing other people. But if you're just there, watching the gig through your phone, recording like three hours, if sometimes. No, I 100% agree with you. One of the greatest ever live performances ever was Queen at that Live Aid performance back in, yeah. was it 86, was it? Mm-hmm. When was it? I don't want to a date, but yeah. I, I, I know which one you're talking about. I'm going to have to look this up now because it's annoying me. Queen live 1980 1985 was it really that long? All right, you said 86. I did, I was pretty close. Mm. Um, yeah, that Queen performance at Wembley for Live Aid in 1986. Five, yeah, when was it? 85, 85. Do you know why that was so good? Yes, because Freddie Mercury singing live was incredible. Yes, Mm. because Queen as a band are just incredible, but also. Mm. Because nobody had their phone out. Because yeah, no it didn't fucker. exist. Yeah, no fucker had the phone out. People, you were cheering, you were dancing, you know, Radio Gaga, everyone doing the, you know, the clap, you know. Um, it was just a great time. Everyone yeah. was, honestly, one of the best live performances ever. And now you get places, you know, like Glastonbury and stuff like that. And all you can see, if you're at the back, all you can see, you can't see people on stage because all you can see is a fucking load of iPhones in the air. Like, yeah. I don't get it because there's so, you, you could so easily go on YouTube or, you know, the internet now and search a live performance. And nine times out of 10, you'll get the one you want. No, I agree with you. I mean, I've, less so for, like, again, we use an example of the killers someone saw them recently. They what the killers do is that every single um, performance they do, they cover a song. Um, so the performance they covered when I went and see went and saw them would have been completely different to what someone else that on the same tour would have seen. And I do. I'm one of these people that, like, on the rare occasion, will go through my phone and look at the videos, and I'll see like videos of the gigs I've been to, and I'll watch them and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, this was such good experience and i remember it more um but there are gigs that i don't have video for that i did take video for like um artsy monkeys and i wish i had it now because i remember the gig was amazing but i don't remember it as clearly as if i had that memory prompts um but you know i i find it difficult this is one topic that i find difficult with gigs is i i would rather i watch the gig than record it but if i had the option to record some of it then i would I went to, as you know, I went to 
um, the Royal Festival Hall recently mm. and saw the London Concert Orchestra. Now, I know it's a completely different area of music. Yeah. But until the final piece in the encore, which was yeah. Star Wars, the main theme tune. Oh, banger. Nobody had their phone out. It's a, it's a, it's a mark of, I think it's quite a mark of respect. You paid money to go and see the artist. So why are you looking at them through a phone screen? Yeah. No, no, um, especially like the bigger gigs, like um, at Glassbury, for example, where they have like pyrotechnics and things. Um, I think you miss out on an aspect of it by having your phone out and looking through your camera and not feeling, like if you're right at the stage, for example, and the, the flames shoot up, you feel the warmth from them. But if you're looking through your phone, you just don't. I don't think you experience it as, as much. I'd, I I'd really like. I'd really like to get people's opinion on this. Um, mm. If you're listening and you've been to a live gig recently or stuff, what is your opinion on recording while the artist is performing? Please let me know because I I'm not going to judge. Like if you do it, that's fine. I'm not I'm not pissed off at you, but I would really like to understand why people do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I think a lot of people will say the same sort of similar things to what I do is for memories. Uh, obviously we'll have the people that do it just for Instagram and okay, fair play, do what you want, like different strokes for different blokes. But I do feel in a way you, you do lose some of the performance that you've paid. Let's be real. A considerable amount of money for like some of the gigs I've been to, I've paid like 60, 70 pound a ticket. Mm, yeah, yeah. Not, not cheap. So if you're spending that much money, you want to experience and enjoy the gig rather than, you know, I'll just sit recording it like a... It's like Queen and, Queen and Adam Lambert for four tickets. I looked at it for a couple of years back when they were uh, doing London. And for four people, it was like 500 quid. Yeah. I think if... Obviously, I didn't go because I can't afford 500 quid. But yeah. um, you just know you'd get there. And they get to a good song, but oh, I can't see them because every fucking person has got their phone in the air <laughs> recording it. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's 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 not continue. Uh, no, sorry, that's completely sorry. That's, All right. that's an awful Christ. thing to say. Well, that is the end of the Sound Antics podcast. <laughs> Christ, let's not continue. This is tipping over the edge. I'm fucking done. <laughs> Fuck you. It's over. I'm really angry about my ten years. All right. <laughs> That's a true anger matter review. <laughs> it's now time to kickstart a new story series since last week we finished our previous one. And to do that, we're going to go over the Bridge of Banter and visit our friend Sam Cropper in our section, Story Time. With Sam! I'll gather around everyone because I've got a little bonus for you. A pardon? Of course, a little bonus. Oh, okay. You dirty dog. And I've got a bonus for you. And it is we have a short story. And we've got uh, the first part of four of uh, Cabin Fever. Now, if you are. Um, listening to this in the dark press pause and we will see you again 
when you are in some lights because this is not something to listen to in the dark, if I'm honest. Oh no! Anyway, so... <laughs> what is going on? Jeremy Clarkson, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first story. That's not Jeremy Clarkson. Jeremy Clarkson's. Oh no! Anyway. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, no, I don't know who that was. That's someone else, and I'm trying to think who it is. But, uh, let's crack on, on. Crack on. Let's on. Okay. You sit on that brain teaser, and we're going to jump into the story. So, if it's dark, turn this podcast off for a moment until you're in some light. That's the that's anyway. This is titled "You Never Forget Your First Kiss." You never quite do, do you? Forget that first kiss in a relationship. You could have dated 12 people or two people. It doesn't matter. The first time your lips touch theirs, you feel something. It could have been the, the fear of rejection followed by the relief of reciprocation. It could have been desire building in, in, into intensity as you smiled. You smelt them, you felt them, you taste that significant other for the very first time. Did it happen with a high school sweetheart behind the bleachers as the two of you skipped history class? Or was it a foreign flame you, you set ablaze in the cobbled streets of Prague? Which one burns brighter in your memory? However, wherever, whomever, you always remember it. It was my third date with Amber, and I was feeling like I could finally build up the courage to go for it. I was really anxious, but a glass of wine helped me smooth, soothe my nerves. I made small talk as I tried to walk down the pasta I prepared for us. Oh, what is it with people and fucking pasta? <laughs> Five ingredients, spaghetti carbonara, 15 minutes. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if plot twist every single story we read is the same guy it's Derry Derry fucking Derry the food tasted bland and I couldn't blame my date for hardly touching her portion so he's not as good as Derry no <laughs> Amber sat across the table from me her porcelain skin reflecting the glow from the fireplace she wore her silky blonde hair braided with sky blue ribbons I loved the dress she had on. It was pink and frilly, the lace bodice that flattered her slim figure. There was a far away, distant look in her eyes that evening. And I just wondered what she was thinking about. I knew that Amber was special from the first time I saw her in the after hours parking lot near my place of work. She'd been walking fast, jerking her head left and right, cautious of the nighttime dangers that could befall a beautiful woman out alone at night. I hesitated before approaching her, but in the end, I decided I had to go for it. And lucky for me, we really hit it off. Now, <clears throat> I just had to man up and go in for the kiss. As much as I hated to admit it, our time was running out. I finished my pasta. <laughs> Walked over to Amber's seat. Love you, I whispered before cupping her drooping chin in my right hand. 
pure decay hit my senses as I parted her lips with mine. My tongue explored Amber's rotting cold mouth as I kept her jaw slack in place. I tried to close her eyes for a more sensual experience, but the lids wouldn't budge. I closed my own to avoid that faraway, glassy stare of hers. The taste, the smell, and the feel of amber were too much, and I lost myself in the pleasure of our first kiss. Years have passed, and I'm now a happily married man with two small children, a boy and a girl. I love my wife, but sometimes, late at night, when everyone goes to sleep, I stay up with my old scrapbook, and I remember all of those first kisses. I thought you said this was scary. <clears throat> yeah. He killed her in the parking lot, then brought her back for three dates, kept her in his... Sorry? She's dead. Amber's dead. It doesn't... Where does it say? Where... He didn't say she okay, was okay, dead. Okay, here we go again. Just for Matt Dyer. If the rest of you missed this, then... Come on. Pick up on this. Right. I love you. I whispered before cupping her drooping chin in my hand. Okay, now, first of all, I said, lucky for me, we really hit it off. Huh? And then we moved on to that one where it said drooping chin in his right hand. And he said... Your decay hit my senses as I parted Well, I, it's funny you should say that. I did think that decay was a very weird word. My tongue explored Amber's rotting, cold mouth as I kept her slack jaw in place. I tried so... to close her eyes for a more sensual experience, but the lids wouldn't budge. I closed my own to avoid that faraway glassy stare of hers. The taste, the smell, and the feel of Amber was too much, and I lost myself in the pleasure of our first kiss. So, they really hit it off. She they, died. They... He uh, got involved in some light necrophilia. And, well, um, <laughs> I mean, then kept a scrapbook of it, married someone, had a boy and a girl, and uh, yeah. Moving swiftly on. Cabin <laughs> fever. This is part one of four. Are you ready, Matt? I don't think I am, but yes. You never know. You crack right on, sausage. Oh, crack on. Right. The silence in the car was stifling. A tight, constricting rope of a marriage in shambles. As we drove to my late uncle's cabin with a trunk full of food, it was hard to believe that mere weeks ago, things between me and Camilla had been fine. Only one thing seemed certain now, and it was the fact that this damn lockdown was the worst thing to happen to our relationship over the nine years of marriage. Oh, so it's a fairly recent one. Mm. Yeah, it was literally two years ago. This was posted, not lockdown. We had spent three weeks quarantined together in our apartment. I stared at walls while dealing with the sort of paperwork I usually handed off to subordinates, and Camilla tried to paint with me inadvertently hovering over her. The confinement was driving us insane, causing us to lash out at each other in ways that we'd never done before. 
when I could no longer stand all of the insults and eye rolls aimed in my general direction, I suggested a change of scenery. And what better cure the cabin fever than a stay at an actual cabin out in the woods? The ultimate social distancing. Nature would give us some space from each other, as well as the freedom to roam and stay active. Can you look at the fucking road, Paul? I wasn't ready for the uh, the acting there, single one. Sorry, sorry. It's like okay. Are you ready for it? You're ready for it now. Okay. <clears throat> Can you look at the fucking road, Paul? My <laughs> wife waved an arm over the dashboard. Feels like you caught every fucking pothole on the way here. Sorry, dear. I. <laughs> happened immediately i had to do it i'm sorry I to... <laughs> sorry judith, sorry, judith. <laughs> please please use that voice for him from now on they might just change their voices <laughs> to, to, to them. i can't i can't do judith but i'll do, I'll do um, I'll, I'll peter, change... please i'm talking i change peter i change paul to be like i'm like peter okay from come fly, <laughs> come fly with me if anyone doesn't know <clears throat> sorry Sorry, dear. I said, mentally counting the crimes of passion that crossed my desk over the years. Nine times out of ten, the victim knew the perpetrator. Eight times out of ten, an ex, a boyfriend, or a husband had lost control of their rage. It didn't take as much as you'd think. Did she know that? No, they never did. My job as a criminal profiler took up 80% of my life. With never-ending business trips, overtime, and lecturing gigs, I was almost never home. It hadn't been a problem in the past because we chose not to have kids. And Camilla had her paintings and her art shows to keep her busy, but we did enjoy the odd evening and weekends that we got to spend together. But our careers always came first. Initially, this common ground had made us a true power couple. Now, however... This was a fucking stupid idea. Camilla threw herself against the seat, folding her arms and pouting at the road in front of us. She always looked like a little girl when she did this. A pretty doll with light, wavy hair and large blue eyes. Her temper tantrums were one of the many things that had been endearing at first, but now drove me up the wall. That and the swearing. I had enough at my job. I didn't need to hear fuck this and fucking that every other word at home. The GPS had cut out a good 20 minutes back, but luckily Camilla hadn't noticed. I was hoping we were heading down the right dirt road. I'd been up to my uncle's place every summer as a kid, and I thought I knew the way very well. Everything seemed familiar enough. Even the heavy fog from the nearby lake that gave... The woods are that signature, dark, ominous vibe. Paul, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Camilla bolted upright, staring out the side window. Shit, lock the doors, lock the fucking doors and don't slow down, she cried. What is it? What is it? I demanded, driving steady and jerking my head right to see what she was shouting about. Do you need a minute? 
I was okay. I was prepared for a new story, but I wasn't prepared for the fucking voices. I up the fucking game, and you, <laughs> and you just laugh. Is that what you're saying? I up the game, and you can't stand it. Can okay. you not swear, please? I have enough of this at work. <laughs> Sorry, Judith. <laughs> <sighs> we were driving through a particularly sandy patch of road, and the wheels on the pickup struggled with some of the dirt piles and pits. A man stumbled out in front of the car, throwing two hands onto the hood. I hit the brakes, even though we were hardly moving at that point, and stared directly at the stranger. The man looked a mess, covered in filth, grime, and what looked like blood. His clothes were torn, as though he'd just been mauled by a bear. It was true terror in those red-rimmed bruised eyes as he began beating his hands on the hood of our pickup. A low, guttural moan filled the car as the man opened his mouth. It sounded more like a large machine grinding its gears than a human voice. Jesus, I gasped, watching streaks of blood streaming down the man's chin as he continued wailing. His mouth was a gaping hole filled with mucus and blood, but no tongue. Fucking drive! (laughs) My wife screamed, grabbing at the wheel as I batted her away. Can you stop? I shouted back. I'm not supposed to drive this guy over. I needn't have worried since the wounded stranger was already on the move, leaving a puddle of blood on the hood. He stumbled past my side window, twisting his neck to look back at the other side of the road. His wails grew louder as he lunged himself with every step, hurrying to get away. I wanted to call out to the man, tell him to stay so he could call him an ambulance. But Camilla was completely out of control in the seat beside me, screaming at me to drive, trying to push my leg down on the gas pedal. So I pedaled it. And after a couple of false starts, we sped the rest of the way to the cabin. I had no time to think about directions as adrenaline coursed through my body and muscle memory alone took over. We actually arrived half an hour earlier than expected. I ushered a distraught Camilla inside and brought in our bags before heading back out to the spot of land that always got at least three bars of signal. I called 911 and told the dispatcher about the man we'd seen, an approximate location of the sighting, as well as coordinates of my uncle's cabin. The operator let me know that a local officer might stop by later in the evening to question us. I took my time walking the perimeter before returning to the cabin. The initial shock and fear had worn off, and a professional curiosity had started to blossom. I ran back through the scene in my mind, combing over all of the details in my visual receptors had passively documented. There's a lot that our brains process on a subconscious level that we don't know about, and it takes a considerable amount of effort to piece together everything after a traumatic event. What was the victim wearing? It was hard to tell under all that dirt, but the clothes had seemed ordinarily ordinary enough. Blue fitting pants and a jacket. Dark colours. What was the extent of the man's injuries? Again, it was hard to say. He was definitely stumbling a lot on the move. 
that could have been caused by the exhaustion, not necessarily a limp. The only visible wound was the bloody mouth and missing tongue. Why didn't I help him? It's all too easy to blame my wife's reaction, but the truth is that I'd panicked too. I was meticulous in my analytical work, but I had minimal field training. That injured man was out in the middle of nowhere with night approaching, and it would have been entirely my fault if anything had happened to him before the emergency services found him. I heard the creak of the cabin door open and close as I walked around the front to see Camilla standing on the wooden porch, staring at the pink sky as though searching for answers in the crinkled sunset. Did you get through on the phone? She asked, her voice raspy and tired. Yes. They said they might send someone over to talk to us about what we saw. I walked up to her, attempting an embrace. But she shrank away from me, her eyes narrowing. We shouldn't have fucking come here. Her lips trembled as her voice grew accusatory. We're in the middle of nowhere. Fuck, Paul. We are how far away from the place we saw that man? Maybe 20, 30 miles? How screwed are we if whoever did that to him comes for us too? Camilla, you need to calm down, I said, already knowing it was the wrong thing to say before the words came out of my mouth. No, we need to get the fuck out of here. She snarled. We both winced at the malice in her voice. This wasn't us. How did we become the stereotypical bickering couple we swore we'd never be? All right, I snapped back. Why don't you get in the car and drive through the same jacked up road only in the dark? We can go right now if that's what you want. Camilla hesitated, hugging her body defensively before giving me a resigned shake of the head. Most likely the man we saw was involved in some freak accident. Less likely, but also possible he had an unfortunate encounter with a wild animal. Least likely of all, he was running from another human being, but I didn't see any ligature marks on his wrist. It's pretty damn near impossible to mutilate a live victim without restraints. If you really can't get over this, we will head home around midday tomorrow. That's when the fog settles, but I swear, Camilla, if we're going back to the city, one of us needs to check into a hotel room or something because I cannot spend another day fighting like this. I was hyperventilating by the end of my speech, but it felt good to finally bring up the topic of separation, however temporary. Camilla opened her mouth in stunned silence, with pure hurt written on her face. I'd never spoken to her so harshly before. Hi there, folks. A deep voice interrupted us. As I turned to see a tall, uniformed police officer strolling down the road to the cabin. The man looked to be in his early 40s with grey flakes speckling in his trimmed beard and dark sideburns poking out from his police cap. He wore aviators, even though it was nearly dark, and had not been sunny earlier that day, now I think about it. There was a polite, duty-like smile plus on his face, the type you might expect from a cashier informing you that your credit card had just declined. My right hand instinctively went to my side, grazing this con concealed semi-automatic through my jacket. Hello, officer, I replied, 
My name is Paul Fever, and this is my wife Camilla. We weren't expecting you so soon. I'm sure you weren't. The man replied, and the man is so artificially cheerful it shuddered. My name is Harry Bullock, and I'm here to take your statement about the man you saw on the road that day. Sure thing, officer, Camilla piped up, extending an arm to the cabin door. Perhaps you'd like to come in and discuss things further? Officer Bullock's fate smile widened, exposing a thin line of yellowed, crooked teeth. He raised a hand up to his sunglasses and slid them down his nose, revealing two expressionless black eyes that ran down my wife's body. Why, thank you, ma'am, he said, taking a step forward towards the cabin. Wait, stop. I cut him off. Could we please see your badge and ID, officer? I don't mean to be rude, but an officer showing up to a secluded cabin on foot is a little odd. I know for a fact the nearest police station is about 30 miles north. The man, claiming to be the officer, took a step back, readjusting his aviators and losing the false smile. I parked my car up the road further up because I didn't want to get stuck in the sand. He turned. If you follow me, Mr. Fever, I can show you my credentials. No, I, th I think we'll wait for them here, here for you to go and fetch them, I called after the man who was already halfway up the path. You just knock on the door when you get back, officer. Turning to Camilla, I quietly said, Let's get back in the cabin and check the locks on the windows and the doors. I don't think that man was a cop. My wife's eyes grew wide with fear. She looked at the retreating figure and then back at me again. Fuck, Paul, what are we going to do? Don't panic, I said, guiding her inside and securing the deadbolt behind us. Sorry, I, I'm not sure I can say this without laughing. Oh, God. Old Johnny Fever built this place to be safe against just about any threat you can imagine. We'll ride out. We'll ride out the night and head back as soon as the fog clears tomorrow. There's too much odd stuff going on here. Camilla nodded. I couldn't help but thinking how beautiful she looked. Bit weird, weird time to say that to her, but fair. The years had not taken much away. Her skin was still clear and smooth. Her eyes, blue, playful and bright. Wavy strands of her hair partially covered the side of her face and I instinctively moved them to tuck them behind her ear. This time, she didn't pull away. She allowed me to take her into my arms and hold her for several minutes. Do you think that man will come back? She mumbled into my shoulder. I, d I don't know, I admitted. I don't think so. Not in disguise anyway, I thought to myself, but not wanting to scare her. We set about unpacking the food, the clothes and the other stuff we brought with us. There were a lot since we intended to stay until the lockdown was called off. We were both very quiet during this time, probably straining our ears to hear any knocks on the door. Part of me hoped I'd been wrong about Officer Bullock. But after he'd not come back for over an hour, I was forced to accept my position. 
my suspicions were right. <clears throat> Something very strange was going on. I stared out the small kitchen window after finishing up the dinner just dishes, my mind heavy with implications that day. Paul, are you finished with those? Camilla stood in the doorway, wearing a negligee. Or the negligee, I should say. The light beige one that we'd practically hardwired my body to respond in anticipation. Y yes, I replied. Why don't you come to bed? She said. Her voice, a soft croon of tone so tender and seductive that I unwillingly felt my urgent fears slipping away. They did return, however. When we finished making love and Camilla had dozed off in my arms. Oh, it's like, well, there's a time and place. Fucking. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Honestly, what is wrong with people? It was a good feeling. Knowing the cover of my body was making her feel safe enough to relax. Having spent most of my adult life diving into the minds of the country's most sadistic killers. However, I knew just how flimsy the shield of limbs could be. I wanted to protect her, us, but the weight of our predicament lay heavy on my shoulders. We were miles away from help, with only aged wood walls between us and whatever was going on in the woods outside. I still had my semi-automatic, but that wasn't at all reassuring. Truth be told, I didn't feel all that confident in combat. I'd done the training, sure, but everyone knows that behavioural science guys are hired for brain work, not muscle. I tried to stay awake, but it was difficult. My muscles were already relaxed, and the smell of Camilla's hair had me drifting in and out of sleep. That was when the dream started. A hazy mix of the day's events, but amplified. The man on the road was there again, only this time with a long, black tongue and no eyes or fingers. He tapped ten bloody finger stumps on the hood of the, our car, grinning. I expected Dream Camilla to scream in the seat beside me, but when I turned to look, my wife was missing her head. And also, oh. <laughs> Bullock was in one of the dreams too, just, just standing out, outside the second-story bedroom window, tapping on the glass and smiling at my sleeping wife. I woke at dawn, covered in a cold, dicky sweat, that made me desperately crave a shower. Camilla slept soundly by my side, unfazed by the drenched bedsheets. Stepping out of bed, I quickly rinsed off in the bathroom and dressed before heading downstairs to the kitchen. I really needed comfort food after my night of feverish dreams. I lit up the gas stove and popped on the coffee pot before scavenging sandwich supplies. A wave of nausea hit me as soon as I opened the fridge. There it was, right in the middle of the top shelf, a hastily staged in front of the ham, cheese and pickle jar, a freshly severed human tongue on a tea saucer. Depressing a dry heave, I grabbed the napkin and carefully moved the saucer to one of the bottom shelves, obscuring it behind a stack of butter sticks. I knew I shouldn't be tampering with evidence, but I didn't want Camilla seeing the gruesome scene and freaking out. As soon as I'd hidden the nasty thing, I turned off the stove and went 
out back to call for help. There was no time to bother with 911. I had, I still had the number of the chief of police of the nearest department, so I called him directly. Who's this? Chief Crawford's groggy voice barked in my ear. Sorry to bother you, Al, but this is an emergency. It's Paul Fever. We worked together on that machete killer case a few weeks back. Uh, I heard some shuffling, then more coherently. Yes, of course, Agent Fever. What can I do to help the FBI? Did you happen to work late last night and get the report about the man with the missing tongue? I asked. Uh, you mean the call from the other day? I was just leaving when I heard one of the officers on duty calling saying it was a false report. False report? What do you mean by that? Well, the, the caller gave a very uh, vague directions to the spot where the victim was seen. Chief Crawford replied, attempting a muffled yawn. So why didn't anyone interview a witness? I demanded, angered by the evident incom incompetency of the local police. There would be a big fuss when they realised they screwed over an agent. Hey now. <laughs> Crawford's voice was very defensive. The guys went out specifically coordinates the witness had left with the dispatcher. They found a cabin, but it had been abandoned, boarded shut. They tried to call the guy who's back, but his phone was disconnected. The hell are you talking about, Earl? I began pacing the perimeter again, staring into the depths of the forest as I tried to wrap my mind around the chief's blatant lies. I am the one who called in the report, and I'm currently at the cabin with my wife. Some guy claiming to be an officer showed up yesterday, but he didn't have a badge and left. This morning, I woke up and found a goddamn human tongue in my fridge. And you're telling me your people really came up here to check things out? There was no reply at the other end. Only static. I pulled the phone away from my ear, looked at the screen to see that it had begun flickering. I shook the phone in exasperation, not trying to, not really thinking it would help, but desperately hoping it might. After a few more flickers, the screen went black. I cursed a stupid device and headed back into the cabin, trying to, to wrap my head around what I just heard. But something made me slow my stride. It was the feeling of being watched, that familiar tickle at the back of the neck that, given my current predicament, made all of the hairs on my body stand on end. I jerked my head left and right straining to, to see into the thick, dark forest beyond my uncle's old vegetable beds. No, nothing there as far as the eye could see. But the feeling wouldn't give in, though, so I turned back to look at the house and felt my lungs and heart simultaneously freeze in my chest. Someone was watching me from the upstairs bedroom where I'd left my beautiful wife asleep by herself. Officer Bullock looked down at me, just as I'd seen him in my dreams, only this time on the other side of the window. For once, his smile was genuine as he lifted his right arm and waved at me. <laughs> so why do you find stuff that's... <laughs> Honestly...
I thought last time's was freaky enough. Mm. And right. I just, I will confirm as well. So, you know, last time um, there was like gaps in the, the, the narrative. So there's like gaps of like a month or two months or a couple of weeks sort of thing. With the last yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. This was not like that. It goes straight in after where we've left him. Oh. So, Madaya, how how are you feeling about the new? Uh... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I just how I don't know how I'm going to get to bed now. So, thanks for that. You um... oh, welcome, sausage. <laughs> you you really helped. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it sounds like a, uh, a a bit of a humdinger, Sagobah, this mm. one. And uh, I cannot wait to next week's podcast to listen to the second part. And that's what we've got time for this week. Well, Sagobah, it's not. Oh, isn't it? Nah, got another song for you. Hey, go on, sausage. Give it to us. <clears throat> Hang on, I've got hair in my mouth. That's not a song, by the way. That's not a song. <laughs> I was like, what is that, a country song? Is that American? What I've we... got hair in my mouth. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Step one. You say oh, we need to talk. He walks. You say sit down it's just a talk he smiles politely back at you you stare politely right on through some sort of window to your right as he goes left and you stay right between the lines of fear and blame you begin to wonder why you came are you going to go into the chorus, or should we just leave it there? We'll leave it there, and we'll be here all night singing the song, to be honest. Yeah. It's saying. quite a long song, actually. So that, Sagora, is, well, I mean, you already know, but that, uh, ladies know. and gentlemen, is the classic song by the fray, How to Save a Life. Oh, absolute banger. Absolute banger. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good song, Sagora. Um, I'm a big, big fan of it. That, yeah, but back in the day, that was that and like the Hoosiers and stuff. That was like childhood. Loved it. I'm trying to work out what year it was released. Uh, oh, here we go. September the 13th, 2005. Oh, five. Crikey. I was 10 years old. You were the age of your Polar Pal service. I <laughs> That's terrifying, isn't it? I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's Sagora is all we've got time for this week. It is. So if uh, if the viewers just they need to get their semantics fixed, where where can they go for that? I'll tell you where they can go, Sagora. They can go to our Instagram page, which is at Sarama Antics. They can also go to our TikTok page, which is at Sarama Antics. They can go to our Facebook page, which is the Sarama Antics Podcast. They can send us an email at the saramantixpodcast at gmail.com. Nearly forgot it then. And finally, you can search for us on Acast. Because we are now a part of the Acast Creator (laughs) Network. Sam loves that.
That's yeah. going to be when I when I get my Christmas card or, or birthday card first this year. I'm going to put in there something about being Acast content creators. Anyway, That's what we are. Uh, you can you can search for us. Just search the Sam Antics podcast, and you'll find us. Oh, my bye. Before we go, I just need we just need to have a minute of silence. Just just a minute of silence. Just who for? Everyone, just join with me. Hey, now. hey, go! Whoa, whoa, whoa! What for? A minute silence for Boris Johnson. Well, he's not dead. Wow, his career is now, isn't it? <laughs> Bye, everyone. And what's left to say is, we'll chat to you next week.